0: Each year, the town and city members of the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities get together for the explicit reason of setting a legislative agenda for the coming year. These priorities are deeply connected to the well-being of our residents and our state, connecting special education and property taxes to recruiting police officers and affordable housing. It's all connected in Connecticut, and CCM is continuing its work to improve the everyday life for every resident of this great state. CCM Director of Public Policy, Brian O'Connor, is joining us today to discuss these priorities and more. The Municipal Voice is a Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH-LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's Municipal Voice podcast continues to present a key forum in important state-local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or a member of municipal leaders. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. So, we've asked you on to talk about our legislative agenda for the upcoming session here um but first, before we get into the specifics of our agenda for this year, for the listeners at home, uh could you talk a little bit about the process of how we get to these proposals uh, or how they go from proposals to to our you know agenda for the
1: year? Sure, you know it's something that we as a policy department revamped over the last uh, two years, and I think mm-hmm. we've seen the benefit of that um Every year, we we solicit proposals from our existing, you know, our CEOs, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some of their, you know, building departments and, you know, education. And We get input from them as well. Um, we have five policy committees, um, basically, that the bills or issues are go through. Okay. And these are, again, made up of, of who the CEO either assigns or they many of them participate themselves, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the issue area. Um, they go over the issues that, uh, have been presented to them. We also seed them, uh, some of the issues that are came up last year and mm-hmm. we're looking for a little bit more input this year on them. And, uh, through that, um, uh, basically each committee policy committee, uh, will get their top three proposals okay. and then they bring it to a full legislative committee meeting, uh, which occurs in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then after we winnow it down a little bit more or expand it, depending on the, uh, you know, the wishes of the committee, uh, Mm -hmm. legislative committee, um, we ultimately have a vote. We actually physically have a vote where we give everyone some stickers and they get to set their own priorities. Uh, And then, you know, this year we had uh, a tie, actually, for for the last couple. Uh, So we included all of them in our policy agenda as far as priorities go.
0: That's cool. That's the voting that takes place at our annual convention, right?
1: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And and it's good because, you know, you get a lot of people. Uh, attendance is great and, uh, you know, you get some further feedback at that meeting as well.
0: Very cool. Um, so getting into the uh, all the issues for this year, uh, I think the first one we're going to cover is police officer, firefighter and EMT recruitment and retention. Um, and on this, we our recommendation is uh, to support efforts to increase the number of qualified applicants and volunteers for public safety and emergency service positions within municipalities. Can you talk to us a bit about some of this?
1: Sure. You know, last year this was on our agenda as well, and last year mm-hmm. we asked for our task force to consider okay. these issues, what 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 we might be able to do to promote and. Uh, you know, recruitment, but also retain who we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the legislature did do that, so we I shouldn't say unfortunately we we were able to get that passed, but they didn't meet. So the task force didn't meet. so we're we're uh, emphasizing that they get together and actually uh, get the task force off the ground
0: mm-hmm.
1: and start focusing on that issue uh, because it's so important. Now uh, more and more towns are having to go to paid departments. Okay. You know, at least partially, and I think it's just something where even coverage—we're worried about the public safety concerns by not either having enough career firefighters or volunteer firefighters um, enrolled in our in our towns.
0: Yeah, so the the, the shortfall makes it uh, a problem for people to respond adequately to emergency situations. Correct?
1: Yeah, particularly during the the workday, people work further away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there's some remote. Um, aspects now that people are working in town. But I, I think, you know, because of the certification process, um, it's becoming harder and harder to first maintain the credentials, but also to attain them in the first place. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just getting less people that are that are interested in it. And, you know, we're trying to tackle how best to mm. um, get them up back on board.
0: So is this a recent problem or this been kind
1: of growing for a while? It's been growing. I'd say it's become more acute over the last couple of years. But I'd say, you know, over the last five to 10, you know, municipalities have seen uh, a a pretty steady decrease in the number of Mm. people. uh, First, applicants for career departments, um, but also, um, you know, just volunteers. You know, know, some towns used to have 50 people. Now Mm. they're down to like 35. And, uh, you know, even the young junior firefighters in particular and, and people like that, uh, they're, they're just less people in the pipeline.
0: Yeah. Is there a certain factor of like burnout from people too, who are leaving earlier because you know, of the stresses of the job?
1: Yeah, I think that's part of it. You know, I think, uh, with, um, particularly with police officers, I think mm-hmm. there's, uh, been, uh, you know, a lot more, you know, stress related, uh, situations, um, mm-hmm. That many of them are retiring, and again, again, where they might have in the past had a hundred applicants, now they might have ten, and yeah. you know. So I think it's, it's something that uh, we want to turn around. Definitely. So
0: our second big issue that we wanted to talk about today was trash to energy expansion. What what is trash to energy, and why do we want to expand? Yeah.
1: Well, well, let me paint a little picture. So okay. Connecticut. Um, you know, we, we closed the, the trashed energy plant in Hartford. Okay. And because of that, now I think it's 860 tons per year, approximately are being, Mm uh, of waste is being shipped out of state. Okay. And what this does is this increases the tipping fees, uh, because the cost of transport out of state is more expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where. We also like to handle our own waste i think you know not only principally uh, but also practically because eventually a lot of these out-of-state landfills are Mm -hmm. you know they might not accept our waste and i think that's something that we should be very concerned about so uh, we've been looking at different initiatives to you know reduce the waste Mm -hmm. i think one of the things that we've been doing um, many of our communities anyway they're starting with the school districts in particular is trying to get rid of organic waste or food waste. Okay, uh, take that out of the stream, and I think that's that's like thirty percent of waste, believe it or not, is food. So that uh, would so be like a composting
0: sort of program.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's many towns are starting to do that, um, and many school districts actually have implemented it uh, with their students, and I think mm-hmm. part of it is part of the education. Uh, but also, you know, just uh, it's it just makes good sense. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very labor intensive. So a lot of towns okay. haven't done a full uh, system on it yet. But mm-hmm. it is something that that I think many towns are exploring and uh, deep. Uh, the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection is also uh, trying to incentivize that. Yeah.
0: So eventually this might be the kind of thing where you have like a third bin out by the the sidewalk or something.
1: Yeah. In, in theory, yes, uh, that's that's how it's operating right now. Uh, many towns have had their own collection site at their mm-hmm. local transfer station where people can bring uh, their organic waste. So it's sort it. of been a volunteer
0: sort of situation in a lot of places so far?
1: Yeah, a lot of it's been piloted. Yeah, th- there's been some seed money, uh, again, from the um, deep. Uh, the agency mm-hmm. has been a, a, trying to incentivize towns to to try to implement this on a on a better, bigger scale. Definitely.
0: Well, it sounds like it's kind of a big problem. Where When we ship stuff out of state, where does it go? What, like what states are taking it? I think,
1: it, you know, a lot of it goes to Pennsylvania and Ohio. And mm. some of it is on rail uh, and other parts are, are just, you know, general trucking. And
0: the, the general worry there is not only is it expensive, but at some point they could just say, we don't want it anymore.
1: Yeah. And start closing some of the... the facilities that we're using today or mm-hmm. uh, because you're you have no leverage in the situation that the prices just keep going up and up up and up and up well it sounds like it's important so, stuff to work on yeah and i think you know i just want to point out when you know as far as the trash to energy um mm-hmm. one of the things that we're exploring as a as a as an organization
0: mm-hmm.
1: is expanding the existing four or see okay. if we might be able to cite a fifth one now that obviously comes up with, uh, you know, not my backyard or NIMBY, mm. uh, you know, finding a host community might be difficult, but looking at the existing four uh, might be an opportunity there as well.
0: Interesting stuff. So our third area of focus that we're looking at is to maintain focus on reducing property taxes, which is one of our perennial sort of issues. But the people listening at home, why is this something
1: that we have to talk about every year? Well, Currently, there's many statutes on the books that aren't fully funded. So I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that we're trying to, you know, emphasize with the legislature and the governor's office is let's meet those commitments. Mm -hmm. And we made great strides. The legislature and the governor's office uh, two years ago passed uh, an increase, a substantial increase in pilot. You know, this is payment in lieu of taxes. Okay. And... Last year, we actually increased it again by three percent. So we've made some very good progress there, mm-hmm. uh, but we're still underfunded, you know, as far as what the state statute uh, emphasizes.
0: So, as far as what was originally promised with pilot, it's still not all the way there. It's got it's gotten better, you're saying, over the last couple of years, but it's still not fully funded.
1: Yeah, we're still probably a couple hundred million dollars short uh, from if it were fully funded. I think it's you know probably upwards of three hundred million. And this Im- impacts our cities a lot, too, right?
0: in, in place with uh, non-taxable properties like hospitals, universities, that sort of stuff?
1: Yes. You know, that, that's a great example. We have a few municipalities, um, some of our urban core, but also even some of our state university uh, towns mm. have close to 50% of their um, property. If Actually, I think there's a couple that have over 50% of the property is tax exempt. And it really uh, makes it difficult, you know, with your grand list, trying to, you know, balance your budgets and meet the needs of your residents.
0: Um, And I know one thing we talked about was allowing municipalities to assess tax exempt properties, uh, a fee for services such as police, EMS, road maintenance and stuff. So yeah, that about. that's
1: an issue. We haven't really uh, made as much progress as we would like. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, what you look at historically is that nonprofits are much different than, you know, the mom and pop nonprofit of the 1980s or mm-hmm. 70s. And now you look at some of the hospitals, they're basically businesses, mm-hmm. and they're buying more and more doctor's practices. So that's an example of where uh, something that used to be on the tax rolls is now pulled off. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I think also, if you look at group homes, um, there's they have a higher preponderance of calls in okay. many instances in our communities. So I think it's just to, you know, basically, you know, they're, they're part of the community. Uh, we believe these fees would, uh, you know, can be substantiated uh, by, you know, the services that a municipality uh, provides them. Yeah.
0: So group homes are currently on the that exempt list.
1: Yes. Yeah uh, many of them are, yes. Uh, but, if it's a non profit. Yeah. Okay. But when
0: they call up the, the because they need an ambulance, it's the town's ambulance that's coming and that's that's what we're talking about here, is that Yep, expenses, or yeah. or
1: police calls. Yeah. Mm-hmm and you know everyone you know we, we don't you know pull the plow up when we go by your facility yeah uh, we you know we do plow the streets and you know i think it you know the fire departments you know it's very important that you just have that coverage yeah and i think you know we, we look at it as, as a fairness issue
0: mm-hmm. you are listening to the municipal voice on of 103.5 fm Our next issue that we were looking at was increased funding for special education, um, where we want to increase the current level of state funding for special ed, which is, in our opinion, inadequate. Um, Why is it inadequate and how can we figure out out this problem?
1: Yeah, this is another area where um, the state's commitment for fully funding special education, the excess cost grant Mm -hmm. uh, for special education is not fully funded. Again, we made some strides last year. We did get an increase. Um, but again, it's it's below and it's not really keeping up with the rising cost of special education. Okay. This is an area where we get um a lot of feedback from our municipal leaders mm-hmm. basically saying it's outpacing uh the money that is coming in. And okay. I think you know, a couple of our proposals, one is uh right now you get reimbursed if the cost of the special needs student is above 4.5 times of the average cost of, of educating a child in your town. Okay. And we're looking to lower that to two times. Anything mm-hmm. over two times would be reimbursed by the state. Yes, you know, it's kind of aspirational. It's a big jump. Yeah, uh, It is a lot of money, but I think it is something that we want to stress the importance of
0: um and when we're talking about this these are big expenses especially for some of our smaller towns if they have even just a few students move move in or out of town that can really affect their budget right
1: yeah and, and that's actually you know uh, one of our other proposals is MBR this is the minimum budget requirement so basically mm-hmm. whatever you spent last year you can't go below that mm-hmm. and one of our ideas is to allow towns some flexibility again, if a student does move out or age out, that they're able to reduce that expenditure Mm -hmm. you know, based on the cost of the student that that just left the district. Um, And again, it it, is it a panacea? No, but I think it's also a more accurate reflection of the true cost of providing special education within your local school district.
0: And the MBR, does that also come into effect with towns that might have shrinking school populations?
1: Yes, it may, you know, depending on who um, has, you know, left the district, but also the per pupil expenditure. Now, that's another uh, item that we're trying to address and is very important. I think Mm -hmm. we are able to reduce MBR. Let's say if you shut down a school, Mm -hmm. you do get to reduce some of that overhead. Um, The thing that's interesting now is that ECS is more tied to student enrollment. So you are seeing. Uh while we were successful last year in maintaining uh ECS funding for those towns that have mm-hmm. seen decreasing enrollment, it is an issue uh going forward that uh you know you're gonna be paying for students that aren't there. Yeah.
0: Um so our our next issue, not as exciting as any other ones, but uh increasing tax abatements for affordable housing. Can you talk a little bit about that one?
1: You know, affordable housing is actually probably one of the key uh, or larger issues that, you know, the legislature has been focusing on over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And I think a lot of our municipalities are trying to increase affordable ho- op- housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues that has come up is infrastructure costs, okay. You know, whether it be water and sewer, um, but also, the, the fact that many of the developers, when they first conceived of the, the, the um, proposal or project, mm-hmm. the, the cost of labor has gone up, the cost of materials have gone up.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when a, the town has given the abatement, um, the amount of money j- just, again, hasn't kept up with, you know, the market condition. So I think what we're looking to do is to increase uh, the tax abatements that are available uh, mm-hmm. through the state
0: that's interesting so some of these projects have been going on long enough that the the change in, in cost of materials and whatever is affecting the the final uh, bill or whatever that is there
1: yeah I I'd say you know the last two You know, because of the inflationary conditions, it has been, you know, a a problem. I think actually you've seen a little bit of stabilization on that. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, we'll have better, again, market conditions than we do, uh, you know, than last year. But at the same time, the pace of which, you know, those costs have gone up, Mm -hmm. uh, it's only slowed. It hasn't actually gone down. It's just the increase is going to, uh, you know, the increase is just slower than it had been. And I think you know. Again, we we want the tax abatements to reflect what is going on, and and also to encourage uh, and make it work uh, for the developers to do the affordable housing housing projects, especially in our downtown centers. Yeah, and that's really the point of these abatements is
0: to encourage the the building of these affordable housing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. In order, you know, when they, when they pencil it down, you know, many developers, you know, they need a, a certain subsidy because you're you're Taking away some of the market rate, mm-hmm. so in order for that it to work, especially some of the apartment complexes, you you need that tax abatement to help alleviate some of the some of the costs that uh, are driving the inaffordability.
0: Yeah, especially maybe in some of the more higher income towns, the the difference might be greater.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say you know it, it's not even some of the higher income tax, It's it's basically all municipalities. Okay. You know, if you look at it. Um, there's, but I think that's where you're seeing it more. Some of our suburban communities.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one of our final uh, big six we were looking at for this year is the retaining of land use officials. Um, we wanted to create some flexibility and state certification processes. Can you talk about, yeah. you know, what, what the issue is there and, and how we would like to kind of address it?
1: Yeah, actually CCM has been working with, um, the capital region Cog, uh, mm-hmm. as well as the state uh, Department of uh, Administrative Services, to see if we might be able to uh, address this concern. And I think what it is is that there's just less uh, people. Again, kind of like with the with the public safety, mm-hmm. there's just less people applying. Um, it's harder and harder to get certified. And right now, from what I understand, is you can only do it once a year. It's like in January, okay. so upcoming. So we're looking again for more flexibility in, in maintaining your certification, but also retaining it and how do we best do that? I think the other thing we're looking at is reciprocity mm-hmm. um, between you know different states that those credentials, if they meet our criteria, uh, that they'd be okay. They wouldn't okay. have to go through the Connecticut process. And this will help with recruitment Uh, Mm -hmm. Right now, what you're seeing is a lot of our municipalities are just uh, poaching from themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the talent pool, uh, there's just not enough volume in it.
0: Yeah. So, one, we can't get the people from the other states because their certification doesn't apply over here. And if we did get them to come over, they might have to wait if it's February till the following January to, to get their certification here.
1: Yeah. And the building in in particular, I want to focus on that a little bit, is that some of the projects where you want to get a a sign off or a Mm -hmm. CEO, you know, you just might not have enough staff to do it as quickly as maybe the developer uh, would Mm -hmm. like. And it slows projects down. So I think that's one of the things um, that, uh, you know, it it has become a, a big issue for many of our towns. Yeah.
0: Um, so those were our, our kind of big six issues we were looking at. But obviously, we, as we said earlier, there's a whole voting process. A lot of stuff got brought up before this. And there's quite a few other ones. Um, what are some other issues that stand out to you from our agenda for this year?
1: You know, what one, one I really want to uh, touch on, there's actually there's two, but okay. I'll lead off with street takeovers and the illegal use of ATVs and motorbikes. Okay. This is
0: a whole um, bunch of motorcycle and ATVs on the road. We've seen it, or they're popping wheelies and and just the whole road is full of them.
1: Yeah. And they're and they're also, you know, using cars and all the rest. And what it's mm-hmm. really done is shut down. They I think they even shut down IE4, tried to, uh, at one point. And I think what we're looking for is more tools. Um to in order to address it you know this mm-hmm. is something that it's it's becoming more and more of a problem not only in connecticut but nationwide mm-hmm. uh in fact the fbi is involved now uh where they have a tip line if you hear something going on okay. uh you can let them know and you know um they would avail their resources uh to the situation and i think one of so the if things you knew that ahead of time
0: someone heard rumor that there was going to be one of these you could call this tip line and let them know, like hey i heard that there's going to be Correct. OK.
1: And that's the idea is, is, you know, it's much easier to prevent it than to stop it once it occurs, mm-hmm. um, because you just get overwhelmed. I think just the sheer number of people that are involved now, many police departments, again, just don't have the adequate amount of bodies. And plus, you don't want it to escalate to a, a situation that becomes um it, 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 where people might get injured and such, so it's a very delicate balance again uh, with with how it, it they're addressed.
0: Yeah, like you have to police it, but at the same time, you want to turn to some sort of high speed chase or anything that could endanger the public even more than it already is.
1: Yeah, especially you know some of the residents that unfortunately get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have people walking over your car and you know just hitting it that kind of thing and, and mm-hmm. it it it's a it's really potential for a really bad situation um from occurring yeah. and, and i the, think you know things. i just i want to go on that i think you know new haven actually has spearheaded uh mayor Elliker, mm-hmm. and along with some of the surrounding first selectmen and women uh to see what they might be able to do they're actually doing a regional approach on it yeah uh, where they're putting the regional resources of police uh in a situation again first to prevent it but if it does occur you know how can they um have enough enforcement and, and also make the enforcement matter so one of the things that we're looking to do is to amend the law uh so that we authorize the central infractions bureau to administer payable violations up to two thousand dollars right now okay. it's only two hundred two hundred fifty 250 dollars but many of our communities have uh by ordinance have increased the f- the fines up to two thousand dollars. So, we're okay. not looking to do it for everything, but just these situations with uh, street takeovers and uh, the illegal use of ATVs and motorbikes.
0: So we got it up to you said two thousand, but they are they're only collecting up to two hundred and fifty. Is the problem
1: right now? They're by law, um, a lot of the violations. Mm-hmm they go through the central infractions bureau. Okay. And what we would say is, but it only goes up to $250. What we're saying is, is for street takeovers and ATVs, uh, the illegal use of, that it goes up for those situations up to 2000, that they'll mm-hmm. be able to handle it, administer it. Right now, it's just up to the municipality to do it. And it just makes it uh, a more seamless process. Right. So. Th-
0: that is to really give those fines some real teeth to really discourage this. Correct. Behavior.
1: Yeah, and, because then it gets tied to licensure, registration, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there, it's a it's a lot more of a disincentive to participate.
0: Two hundred fifty, they might just be like, "All right, it's part of the cost of of doing this and pay it off." But two thousand might be enough to make people really pause and consider. Yeah. Um. And you said you had two others that you want to touch on. What's what's the other big one that's... Uh, yeah, the other one,
1: you, you know, is... we, we passed it last year. We, You know, Firefighter Cancer Relief Fund. Um, okay. That's actually been on the books for a couple of years now. But what we did last year is create a system that is outside of workers' comp that was very important to our membership. Um, unfortunately, the amount of funding that is needed is inadequate at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we thank the legislature for, for putting a... a pot of money into the fund, but there's no sustainable revenue. And I think that's one of the things that we're going to focus on is uh, getting a a sustainable revenue source. Um, Many of our members and maybe, you know, some of our listeners and uh, watchers uh, will know that we actually put something on the books back in 2016 that Mm -hmm. that had a, a charge on a cell phone bill, but because we didn't specify that it uh, be tied to the Cancer Relief Fund, the federal government Mm -hmm. actually deemed that it was uh, illegal, that we couldn't do it. So I think that's one of the areas that we'll look at. I think the other thing um, as well is uh, with some of the PFAS uh, lawsuits, Connecticut is anticipating receiving money. A lot of our turnout gear for firefighters in particular uh, has PFAS in it. Yeah. And is,
0: it's the chemical that doesn't go away. What's, what's the problems with it?
1: Forever chemical. It's a forever yeah. It chemical doesn't break that. down. Okay. And it's, and it's been um, deemed to cause cancer, you know? Okay. Um, so that's one of the areas that to help alleviate that, maybe some of the funding can be used for the cancer relief fund for firefighters because they, yeah. they have to wear this gear. And I don't think there's an alternative yet um, for, you know, for the turnout here in fire prevention you know you're trying to protect the the firefighter when they go into a fire yeah
0: well that all sounds like important stuff brian uh yeah. thanks for thanks so much for talking with us today and uh good luck in this this session
1: oh well, thank you very much it's a short session but uh it's the same amount of work just in less time <laughs>
0: <laughs> well good luck brian thanks
1: a lot Hey, appreciate it Matthew. <laughs>
0: We'd like to thank our guest, Brian O'Connor, and our members for the important work they do. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH 103.5 FM. Christopher Gilson is our producer, Harry Droz is on the boards, and I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like, and watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.